What's up? Welcome to the Part-Time Rockstar Podcast, episode 71, featuring Raul Bianchi of The Expendables. They are a California reggae rock band located in the Santa Cruz area and have been a staple of the genre for about the last 20 years now. Uh, so it's certainly an honor to have Raul on the show and talk to somebody who's really kind of been around the block as far as touring and uh, working in the industry goes. Obviously, this podcast is kind of geared towards the everyday working type musician, so it's definitely cool to get a bigger guest on the show. Uh, the band's song, The Surf Man Cometh, is featured on this episode, both in a moment and at the end, so definitely check it out if you like it. But uh, yeah, uh, whether you're friends or fans of Rules or fans of The Expendables, hopefully you enjoy the show. Uh, we just kind of talked about how the band got going and some of the bands they've been on the road with and that kind of stuff. Um, and if you saw my post in their Facebook group and got one of your questions in, I think uh, those got answered around the 30 minute mark or so. So if we get a kick out of that, uh, I'll definitely post the interview back to the Expendables fan group. But uh, anyway, thanks for listening and definitely thanks for supporting local music. Uh, hopefully you yourself are doing all right out there, staying safe and mildly sane and all that stuff. Uh, feel free to subscribe or follow the podcast wherever you may be streaming. It always helps broaden the reach of this thing a little bit. And uh, if you're listening to this and you have new music coming out personally, there's always a chance we could do an episode. Um, but really, uh, without further ado, Raul Bianchi of The Expendables. things first is uh my tremendous gratitude and thanks for you know uh responding to my message on instagram yeah well and hanging out of course um yeah i've had a done a few of these it's fun so yeah i actually always down i actually listened to yours uh with howie on uh on his podcast uh tales from the green room yeah we did back. that uh yeah we did that on tour adam and i were in the back lines of the bus and howie's like hey We've been yeah. talking about it the whole tour. It was like I was like, well, "Hey, we only got like four days left. Let's do this." So we we went yeah. back and did it. It was it was fun. Yeah, yeah. He's like a big inspiration around here. Um, I'm calling you from Maryland or Baltimore. Oh, okay. And um, you know, he kind of fired me up to want to even do a podcast at all. I I have a local nice. band around here, um, that, but we're not like out touring per se or anything like that. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to kind of 
after listening to him talk and stuff like that, it's like I have a ton of friends' bands that are all, you know, pretty good in their own way, but they'll mm-hmm. never really see the light of day. You know how it is, because unless you're out there on the road really pushing it, it's tough yeah. to get exposure. It's a tough industry just in general. I think outside of yeah. like being a professional athlete, there's probably no other business that's got a lower success rate, I think. Yeah, it's just straight persistence, I guess. And uh, and and, lu- and really luck. Like I feel like skill yeah. is like just one of you know the major factors. Skill, luck, and persistence. I think are the three major ones. Yeah. And you don't even need skill sometimes. It's just you just get lucky. It's just you never know. Yeah. Well, it's always cool to talk to what I consider you know full time rock stars. I call this thing <laughs> the, the part time gig because most of us you know haven't quite made it out uh, farther than you know that. Right. But, and some of us too, it's just like a creative outlet, I think, for music. If you know, if right. we're not quote unquote trying to make it or whatever that means, right? For sure. Um, so I don't know. It's nonetheless inspiring, though, to get people on here who sort of have made it. Right. And it's also kind of funny that I say made it. You know. Right. It's like it's all it relative. Just, yeah. <laughs> it's all so relative. It's just, yeah. But it's like bands like Ballyhoo and stuff like that around here and Bumpin' Uglies. You know, I consider mm-hmm. them to be like big bands, but it's like, right. you know, they're not pop stars or anything like that. Right. Uh, it's just. Yeah, there's definitely different tiers for sure. Yeah. There's always another level up, I guess, too. I, for, for me, it was always like, I, it kind of happens just by chance that I was like, oh, wait, I quit my job. We all quit our jobs. We're doing this professionally now. I considered that making it. And it wasn't something where there was like some big aha moment. It was just like, oh, shit, we're not working anymore. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, I know it's a grind, but in many ways, mm-hmm. that's a dream, you know, if you get yeah, there. Yeah, for sure. Um, I imagine you guys probably had somewhat normal jobs prior to kind of landing the more national yeah. tours, or... Yeah, I mean, it was kind of just any job that would let us take, you know, six to eight weeks off at a time. So we were, yeah. Jeff was working at a deli, I was working at a music store sometimes, at a warehouse sometimes. Adam was working with like uh, uh, people with mental disabilities, and Ryan was working at a surf shop. And everyone just kind of yeah, we had we had jobs that like let us go on tour, so that we just stayed with those as long as we could. And then when we were able to to support ourselves full time, we all quit. So right on. And you guys are kind of based in which part of California again? Was it? Um... Uh, we're on the central coast. We're in um, yeah. kind of on the cusp of northern california and we're in santa cruz we're about an hour for people that don't know the area because obviously you're in maryland yeah. but we're about hour to an hour and a half south of san francisco so that's usually the, the benchmark right. people always think when they hear about us and they think all the bands and the, the, the what they call cali reggae scene um yeah they think they think southern california think that when they just assume we're from southern california we're about six to seven hours from there so and California's yeah, a big state, but, it's, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a big-ass place, yeah. I mean, the West yeah. Coast in general. And I think I, yeah. I, I even remember you guys brought that up on the other podcast about how we sort of got it a little easier here in uh, on the East Coast when we want to travel between cities and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, you, your markets, it's a lot shorter between, between markets because a lot of promoters are going to do radius clauses, and um, so it's... For California, it's like you got to travel pretty far distances, but you know, there's a lot of people on the East Coast that are kind of condensed. So you can do like, you know, 
160 to 100 miles, you know, and play show after show after show. Whereas in California, you're kind of needing to travel like two to 300 miles almost to like really spread yourself out a little bit more. There's just all the major yeah. markets are really, really spread out and further apart. Yeah. Well, you guys have been working your way up the ladder, obviously, um, you know, and mm -hmm. inspiring bands here on the East Coast as well, or Beast Coast as we call it. But uh, it's kind of <laughs> it's kind of interesting to see, you know, with bands like Ballyhoo and Bumpin' Uglies that have really pushed the scene along here like crazy. Whereas, yeah. you know, before, I don't, I don't know how often you guys got out here to the East Coast, but I feel like you've probably been able to witness the growth just in your... Yeah. In your, I, I feel like there was kind of a, I don't know the right way to describe it, but I feel like it felt like the East Coast was kind of hesitant about their own scene and their own bands. And it was like, oh, no, the bands from California are the ones that are doing it. The bands that are from here, like, it's a different scene. And, and I feel like it took a little bit too long, but eventually the scene kind of caught up. And, and I feel like there's a different, definitely a different style on the East Coast than the West Coast. But I feel like it's definitely they've got their own niche now and it's really cool to see bands that are have been around for a while like Ballyhoo above the like really sort of see some success and then tropidelic in the northeast and bands that are been doing it for a while that they're actually getting some love in their own areas and, and really building yeah. up that scene because i feel like it's i don't know for whatever reason the the fan base for you know the larger bands in that scene like fight stupid and revolution and iration all that stuff you know they were popular on the East Coast, but I feel like the bands that were there based in the East Coast weren't getting as much love from the fan base. It's nice to see that it kind of finally caught up. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of funny, too, like maybe the little juxtaposition, really, of having reggae be popular in Maryland, where we're kind of traditionally known, you know, for the DMV, DC stuff, being kind of punk rocker, yeah. especially right. Baltimore, Baltimore being gritty, Philly being gritty, mm -hmm. a lot of great thrash, yeah. great, you know, metal and punk, basically. Right. But it's kind of cool oh, yeah. to see like the reggae vibes like kind of slowly creeping up on everybody and and taking over yeah. a little. I always forget because I'm so bad with geography how close you guys were to that whole DC punk scene in the the 80s. Yeah, like, I mean bad brains and Fugazi and all that. Yeah, yeah. I mean that was even before my time, honestly. Right. But nonetheless, the, you know the reverberations still kind of mm -hmm. echo around and. Right. And honestly, it's just cold here, so I think. <laughs> True. I think people get mean. Like the cold makes you mean. Like at least a little. It's uh, definitely cold. You guys, especially when you're close to the water, that gets cold, yeah. man. I've been I had some cold nights walking around. What is that? Uh, Baltimore Soundstage. Like after yeah. like going around, you're like you're so close <laughs> yeah. to the water. Like man, it's freezing out here. Yeah. Yeah. So that I mean that shapes the music for sure, but and mm -hmm. just people's attitudes. However. I guess now a little bit more so than before, like people are starting to, like I said, kind of catch on mm -hmm. and like, you know what, just cause I'm mad all the time or a little cold and angry doesn't mean I need to also listen to like cold and angry music either, you know, yeah. you get a little, a little balance going sometimes. Yeah. I mean, I, for um, me, it's kind of, it's like, however you want to feel like if you're missing being on the beach somewhere, you put that on. If you're going to the gym and you want to be by yourself, you'll put on some metal or if you're driving and, yeah. You want to I put on some R and B, like it's wherever you're feeling or whatever you want to feel. So I think, yeah, every mood's got a, a music to to fit it. So 
Well, I know that it's catching on when I hear it, like, where I work, because, like, I work in a firehouse, and, like, um, when I, you know, hear, like, firefighters and other people listening to it now, like, I'm like, this, <laughs> this is kind of new, like, I yeah. like it, you know, like, right. before it was, like, you know, always kind of that straightforward kind of rock right. stuff or rap, really, mm-hmm. but, yeah, everybody's, you know, they're throwing in rock money tunes now in their playlists, right. and it's like, right. all right. <laughs> Oh yeah. So maybe it's a sign of the times too. People are just trying to get happier, trying to get healthier, mentally yep. or otherwise. I know, getting through the old uh, the pandemic and all that, people are probably doing everything they could to maintain their sanity, and that was part of this for me. Is just mm-hmm. reaching out to people who yeah, I've good. you know met before, maybe or maybe not. You know, I try to branch out well beyond our area, but. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes you play with other bands and you barely even talk unless... Oh, yeah. Sometimes you do, sometimes you don't even meet anybody. I mean, we were on tours with bands. We didn't meet until, like, for, like, a week into the tour or two weeks into the tour. Like, shit. And they, we all apologize. It's like, you don't realize that, like, sometimes yeah. it's not easy to go out. I'm not great with people and social interaction, so sometimes it's hardest to go out and be like, hi, nice to meet you. Yeah. We're... <laughs> this is weird. Yeah. We're just yeah. on the road. Yeah. It's definitely, like, a skill, but to some degree kind of a necessary one especially if you're like a front man or whatever if you're if you're gonna be the one really trying to connect with people but Mm -hmm. um but yeah i mean i feel like you got a a couple good stories somewhere about either your favorite bands you've been out with or uh i don't know just funny guitar quirks that happened you know on stage or or whatever yeah Um, i'm probably just interested with i don't know who's the most fun to hang out with you think uh so, I'd say there's a couple that come to mind. Like I remember, most bands would probably tell you Pepper. Like Pepper's always like kind of yeah. the life of the party, and those guys are just they're just genuine, like good people, and they're really fun, and they're just they're great to just hang out with, and always you know make you laugh. And um, we've toured with them a bunch, and they're definitely one of the most fun to hang out with. Slightly stupid, definitely. They kind of treated us. When we first started touring, they were kind of like our older brothers, and it was kind of like giving us shit and yeah. seeing, how, seeing how drunk and stupid we could get. And then there was... Uh, first time we did our first headlining tour was with Authority Zero. It was a co-headlining tour. And uh, and those yeah. guys, we became like... I, it felt like on that tour, we became best friends in like three days with those guys. And the whole tour was just a bunch of... Uh, just a lot of fun like we really just we got each other's senses of humor we got each other's like yeah. styles and personalities it just gelled really well we became that was one of the best tours we ever did it was us and them and super villains it was just this huge blast of a tour with these three bands that we all became friends with and um and yeah i mean even now like I, we're still friends with those guys and uh one of their old guitar players who was on that tour he's now one of our managers so it's just this whole kind yeah. of so yeah, those those are some of the close ones I would say. Yeah, were they one of the ones that uh, kind of got you on your first national tour, or was that somebody it was, else? It was, it was slightly, slightly stupid. So we got a we got a couple of opening shows for slightly stupid around California Pacific Northwest kind of area, and we were just always not bugging them to the point where we were annoying, but we're like, if you guys ever need yeah. an opening band, if you ever need an opening band, let us know, let us yeah. know. And this is kind of like right after uh like i think digital audio napster had just kind of gone under but people had started hearing our music outside of california um so 
iTunes was sort of coming up and, and we could actually travel, you know, we were tripping out. It was like, oh, somebody in Ohio has heard of us before. We've never been to Ohio, yeah. but I think somebody backed out of a slightly stupid tour and, and we just got an offer and they're like, hey, you guys want to do this tour? It's going to be probably little to no money, but we're like, yeah, it doesn't matter. We'll do it. Sure. And then we did that and then they loved us on that tour and we did a, another one and then um, they gave us tours every once in a while and it really helped uh, sort of build our base kind of nationally around the country and then we started headlining ourselves and filling in the gaps and then opening and then headlining and then opening headlining and then kind of sort of established ourselves nationally as a, as a national touring headlining act. It took a few years, but we did it. Yeah, it's awesome. I, mean, I was going to say, it, it kind of looks like uh, probably since about 2001, right? I mean, this So not... 2002 was the first time we really started playing. Like, we would play California a lot. And then 2000, it was either 2002 or 2003... Uh, we got like a little two week run with Eka Mouse and that was our first time playing out of California. You know, we did like, yeah, uh, or maybe we did once with stupid in Colorado, but we did basically it was like Arizona, New Mexico, uh, Nevada, and then Colorado. And then that was around 2000, 2003. And then I think around 2004 or five, 2005 is when Sly Stupid gave us our first like national run. And then 2006 yeah. was the first time we went full like loop around the country. And then 2007 was the first time we headlined, I think. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm always curious about the creative process for every album and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And really, um, it kind of makes sense then that you mentioned 2006 because, I mean, your guys' big album, at least I consider big, you know, with uh, Bowl for Two on it. That was in 2007, mm -hmm. right? Uh, so, or ish. The 2000, um, yeah, I think it was a little earlier, but I, I think our self-titled one came out in 2007. I think uh, both for two, uh, getting to 2005, I think. Okay, yeah. Or right um, around there. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm kind of curious, you know, how how kind of getting on your first national act and all that inspires, like, the creative process for, you know, putting together songs like that. Yeah. I mean, for, for us, two. it's always... It's always and that song actually didn't even become kind of popular for years, like when we released yeah. that album. Um, but for us, it's always different. Our creative process is always um, it's never the same, and it's even still evolving now. But it's always been kind of uh, Ryan or Jeff might come up with a song. Um, I mean, because Ryan's not a lead singer, so when Ryan writes a song, he'll he'll picture like either Adam or Jeff in mind. Usually, when Jeff writes a song, it's his vocals in mind, and when Adam writes a song, it's him in mind. Um, and then everyone will kind of, they can either come up with, they'll either come to the table with an idea or a full song or just like a, Hey, maybe we could do something with this. It's, and then we'll kind of go from there. Some songs will come like, Hey, let's just get in a room and jam and see what we come up with. Sometimes it's like, Hey, I've got this song that's almost done. And sometimes it's like, Hey, let's all four get together and try to piece this together. So for us, it's always different. I know some bands, I've been reading a lot lately about different acts and how they do things and. And then some of them yeah. do follow a specific set kind of formula for how they write, which I think is great. But for us, it's just always been different. I think as we always played and listened to so many different musical styles that for us to actually um, stick to one thing would be pretty hard. So everyone, I think, is a different writer. Everyone is a different uh, idea in their head. And we all kind of approach it differently. But at the end of the day, we usually try to work together and come up with the best song. And it's not always, yeah. you know, happy-go-lucky. Sometimes it's like, Certain people think it needs to go in one direction. Others will try to pull it in, in another direction and maybe not be what you thought it was going to be originally. But usually the end result is what we all feel like we put our best foot forward. 
Yeah. So you guys got pretty much everybody's a writer in your band, yeah. more or less. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And that's also kind of an interesting dynamic because sometimes it's, you know, just one person for whatever reason. But mm-hmm. I always kind of wonder, since I haven't quite made it out on the road myself yet, like if that sort of drains your creative potential a little or for some people if maybe it almost invigorates you more or if it's just random i think it can it can it can put ideas in your head but in terms of actually working on stuff being on the road it's a lot harder to work if when you're home you know you can you can spend your day working on writing music or stuff but sometimes on the road you're busy whether you got sometimes what we started doing is like hey we've been on the road for so long we need to actually sit down and, and write music and we haven't had the time. So we would use our sound checks to work on music yeah. uh, in the afternoon. And that kind of helped for a while. But now that we tour a little bit less, you know, a lot of the guys, I'm the only one in the band that doesn't have kids at this point, but uh, a lot of the guys have kids. So we, we, we can't really go on tour as much as we used to. So we have yeah. more time at home. So we don't feel like when we go on the road that we have to be like, okay, that's going to be our touring time and our songwriting time. Cause I got pretty stressful. So now we have a lot, Got everyone's got a home studio now. We have also have our own um, storage unit and studio in Santa Cruz that we used to we get together. Uh, so I feel like it's a lot easier for us to write and be productive at home. And we we were pretty productive in the pandemic too because we weren't playing shows. So we were just all writing and recording from home too, which was good. Yeah, I was gonna definitely ask about what you guys uh, might have coming down the pipeline. I was also just kind of curious who was the most tech savvy in the band, if it happened to be. Uh, I don't think anybody, any one of us is necessarily tech savvy, but uh, Adam, Adam, our drummer is the one that sort of spearheaded us um, becoming more self-sufficient with recording. And he's the one almost by, I feel like out of necessity started learning pro tools and started um, handling uh, some recording sessions. We were doing some acoustic stuff at our studio and then he kind of really fell in love with it. And he's gotten really good with Pro Tools to the point where he uh, has been mixing uh, other bands and then he's actually mixed our last two singles, which was came out really well because we weren't happy with some of the mixes we were getting back. So he mixed those and they came out great. Um, and then after Adam, I think Jeff started really getting into it and, and sort of wanted to take the reins and, and, and really work on on recording yeah. himself to make sure that the, the vocals and the, his guitar came out the way he wanted to. Because I think most bands, especially if you don't have a lot of money when you're coming up, you don't really have a choice. You get the minimal hours and then you, you put out the product. Yeah. And then after that, I feel like Ryan and I were just sort of felt, almost felt guilty that, you know, they were putting in so much extra effort with uh, helping us out. with We'd have to go to record that... Um, we started getting our own home studio set up and just yeah. started doing that. And I was a little hesitant at first and I wasn't too good with pro tools, but now I'm, I feel really comfortable with it. And all the last stuff that we've released in the last, like I want to say year and a half, almost two years, uh, I've done all the guitar work by myself at our house. So I've gotten pretty proficient at it. And I, I'm, I like the fact that I can, not have to worry about wasting somebody else's money or time or energy at a studio uh, or label money, you know, and I can just do it myself at my own time. And I feel a lot more relaxed and comfortable. And I think the finished product is a lot better. Yeah. I mean, especially as a guitar player, I'm sure you're aware. Like, yeah. I love that now all I need to do to like send even like a, a solo to somebody else is just right. sit in the kitchen or whatever. I got my laptop mm-hmm. all the time. 
so I can just plug in yeah. the, the little Scarlet DI, and it's like, poof, write something, yeah. take your time, send it off, and they can decide what they want to do with it, too. Like, yeah. you can give them your plugins, and you can give them your mm-hmm. ideas, but, you know, yeah. they can always just completely do their own thing, and it works. So, right. it's a great time to be alive, I feel like, for, yeah. for that type yeah, of stuff. Yeah, like, definitely. Um so I know what you mean when you're kind of sitting there under the gun. People are like watching you. It's like, you, you right. gotta play this it's, part right, or, or we stressful. sit here all stressful. <laughs> it's really stressful. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I mean, um, I figure part of doing this podcast too is to kind of obviously get any extra exposure towards your music and uh, whatever's coming out. So if there's anything you sort of want to plug or just talk about um, on that end, I'd say go for it. I think there is, but I'm not. I don't think I'm allowed to talk about it yet. Right. <laughs> it hasn't Fair been enough. announced yet. Uh, yeah, that's cool. Uh, yeah. Otherwise, I would. This is kind of a little yeah. bit of a downtime. I think we're we're probably going to be gearing up to go out back on the road in October. But for now, there's not really much going on. But otherwise, I would have definitely <laughs> yeah no, shared it no with worries. you. Um, I mean, I feel like California's still kind of one of those states that's more locked down probably than others Uh, it's it's not too bad i mean i think what is it today's the seventh i think next a week from tomorrow i think is when things are supposed to open back up yeah kind of pretty much fully so so you guys Um, will get your first big festivals in california in the fall probably right uh, well, no, there's one in, Ju- there's one in June uh, down in Southern California called Summerfest with Fortunate Youth and a few other bands. Um, that one's down, yeah, June 26th down in Southern California. And that one I, is outdoors, uh, but it looks like it's going to be a pretty good size festival. It's like a beer fest thing, so. Nice. Should be pretty good. Cool, man. Well, um, I do have a few uh, fan questions for you, per se. Okay. So off of uh off the facebook here okay so uh i guess we'll start with the uh the uh the standard type questions uh rudy van moon asks about your favorite guitar pedals if there's anything you want to kind of throw out there so i'm using kemper and axe effects now and i'm not using any pedals anymore but everything i do every tone i get is pretty much based on amps that i used to use and my favorite all-time pedal is still i can't see it but i still have one of them is um an original um ibanez ts808 tube screamer which I feel like when you're playing a solo that's not like really heavy distortion, you want it to it's like a little bit cleaner. You want it to cut through. You get you get one of those. And those original pedals, they're just they're just something kind of magical about them. I've recorded with them a bunch. I've toured with them live a bunch. Like everyone fell in love with them because everyone wanted to copy Stevie Ray Vaughan Stone back in the '80s and '90s, and yeah. and he was he was well known for using those. Um, so those are amazing. Um, I do love uh, a great analog delay pedal. The old Boss BM twos and threes, I love. The, um, yeah. For digital ones, I like the Eventide. Uh, see, I have original Whammy One pedal that Tom Morello kind of made famous, and then my other favorite pedal would be uh, the original Script Logo MXR Phase Ninety, which is kind of a oh, Van yeah. Halen Brown sounding kind of pedal. So those yeah. are like my top, like all these come to mind as like my all time favorite pedals. Yeah. I grew up as a uh, a student of, of Van Halen, so mm-hmm. that is definitely 
a definitely a good one. Yeah. Um, we got uh, Daryl and Kitty Willis Jr. It's a long one. Uh, he's asking if you're wearing jorts right now. I'm wearing jeans, no jorts, but yeah. the jorts are really close by. I could almost grab them, but it's <laughs> off camera. Fair enough. Uh, got. I don't know if I'm gonna get this name right, but uh, Jay Tumanowski. Uh, yeah. He's he's asking about uh, one ply or two ply uh, toilet paper. Which way are you going? Of, what kind of psychopath would choose one ply? Like, <laughs> why would you ever choose one ply? It's, for starters, it's a bidet or a washlet and a squatty potty, but definitely two ply. Like, uh, I mean, come on, yeah. one ply. Like, you're getting shit fingers. So there's no there's no reason to have one ply. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe he's just saying used to gas station sounds toilet like paper. He, oh. Sounds like he needs to seek counseling or stop shooting at gas stations is what it sounds like. I can't stand yeah. going to the bathroom at gas stations. I, it's the worst. Yeah, you a very get, private pooper. <laughs> yeah, you gotta get the hover squat going. Oh, yeah. <laughs> or use or, those ass gaskets so you can never get to like stay in place. Yeah. There's always the woods, too. It's Nothing true. better than uh, regular old nature. That's um, true. We got, uh, I don't know if this is a real question, but here we go. Uh, Cam Hansen, he says, uh -oh. uh, ask him about his Donald Duck hat that he wore on the first day of first grade when he came to us from Sweden. Hashtag 1986. Uh, so Cam actually used to be in the bands, and I met Cam and Adam in first grade, and... Yeah. Uh, I had lived in Sweden for six months with my mom. My mom was on sabbatical there. And when we came back, uh, we, my family took us to Disneyland and I bought a Donald Duck hat. And then when I came home, uh, went to school and uh, Cam tormented me and made fun of me for wearing my Disneyland Donald Duck hat. And then I never wore it again. And he told me years later that he was just jealous. And uh, yeah. so, yeah. So, yeah, that's what happens. Now, bringing back painful memories of being bullied in uh, first grade by a, a friend. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. This is uh, riling up the old PTSD there. Um, I'll do it. And then, uh, finally, we got uh, Julio or Bess Goso. Sorry about that one, buddy. Uh, what are your favorite heavy metal bands? Uh, let's see... When I was in high school and I started really getting into metal, it was definitely all about uh, Pantera and early Metallica. Um, nice. And then more recent bands, um, I'm a huge fan of, uh, oh shit, oh, got it, uh, no, Kill Switch Engage. I was like, how am I oh, yeah. drawing a blank on that band? So Kill Switch Engage, I really love. Um, I like Avenged too, but Killswitch is kind of like one of my is like my favorite like modern metal band. I like I like the '80s like '90s stuff too. Like I'm a, I'm a fan of like Iron Maiden and uh, those kind of bands. But like I feel like Pantera, Metallica are always still my mainstay go tos for metal. And then for the modern, yeah. it's, it's definitely a lot of like bands like Killswitch, which I really like. Um, yeah. Also like a lot of like uh, fantasy metal stuff like Hammerfall and. Uh, there's a guitar player who does solo stuff. He used to be in a band called Nevermore, which is fancy metal, but Jeff Loomis is one of my favorites. I like listening to his solo yeah. stuff. So that's kind of, if I'm listening to like metal type stuff, that's what I'm listening to. 
Yeah, Loomis, uh, I think he had like a category in uh, Guitar World for a while. It was definitely mm -hmm. in there yeah. a lot, I remember that. Um, yeah, that guy is one of the best out there for sure. Yeah, I, I can never really pick quite like that, but... Uh, <laughs> um, do you get I don't think those? most people can. Yeah, that's, that's the number one way to annoy your other half, by the way, I think, is... Uh, by sitting around doing that. I don't know if you ever watched uh, Death Clock Metal Apocalypse. Oh, of course. Of course. Yeah. I've seen all those multiple times and I have the albums, yeah. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. yeah I'm that, not, yeah, I'm definitely not playing metal in the car because my girlfriend is not a fan. Yeah, they, they really don't seem to, to like that <laughs> one too much. But hey, that way we at least have an excuse. Like, sorry, yeah. I can't pick that fast because. <laughs> but. And yeah, hopefully you get uh, a couple dime bag squeals in in the set once in a while. Once once you guys get rocking, because I know you guys have a little bit of a jam feel, probably to your sound, a little more than uh, a lot of bands within the genre. You know, you guys kind of get mm -hmm. after it as a group and and kind of get a little loose. You know, you're not quite out there like on the fish level or anything like that, but it, it's cool to see that you guys yeah. can uh, definitely get going on that. What's great is. Um... I started playing keys for a while and then I, I really felt mentally like I wasn't able to pull it because every time I'd go to play guitar, I'd have to say, okay, in 20 seconds, I'm going to have to stop, hit a delay, go over to the keys and play the key part and then take stop, hit a delay, come back and then jump back in the guitar part. And I couldn't get myself really centered and focused on the music. And I just felt like I was just rushing yeah. back and forth and playing kind of suffered. So the band kind of, I feel became, a slave to the click because we mm. were putting before the tour would start i'd re pre-record the keys and adam would put them on his drum pad so we'd have intros and clicks and start stop so we weren't able to do much freeform stuff but in the last few weeks months we've been playing with the key a live keyboard player and uh he's not gonna be yeah. able to go with us full time but pretty much as much as we can take him we're going to bring him out and it's really helped us to not have to be so click and uh, pad dependent and we can kind of do extended jams we can take solo breaks we can do stuff like that and so i feel like that's really kind of helping us move forward and and be a little bit freeform be kind of how we were when we were a little bit younger yeah so excited about that yeah it's i mean definitely good to be able to experiment with your sound and i feel like you guys definitely have that going um is there a genre of music you feel like would be probably too far out in left field to ever experiment with but that you do, you know, personally? Uh, no, I don't think anything's too far out. I think that there are probably some things that just won't work. I mean, we've yeah. always said that, really said that nothing is ever off limits. Um, yeah. I feel like for someone like me that like I actually do listen to a lot of uh, classical music and I've, some of that you can hear in my playing. Some of my lines will be like very classical music based type solos, uh, especially live. I'll do that sometimes, but yeah incorporating that into the music is not easy so it's got to be a little taste here and there you can, i mean couldn't just put out a full we've had strings on songs but it's not necessarily just because it's a string instrument it's a, like a violin yeah. or a cello we've had a lot of cello actually but doesn't necessarily make it classical music but i'm just saying that like you have to do pick your battle basically if you want to sort of introduce your fan base to a new genre because like if we do country or we do pop or we do metal or we do anything it's it's you know, it needs to be the first time you do it has really kind of almost got to be more of a little yeah. seasoning, not, not the whole meat of the dish because, um, 
definitely some of your fans can be like, what the hell is that? <laughs> you know, what am I listening yeah. to right now? But classical is one of the, I, I would say that would be, to make a long story short, that would be the one that yeah. I think would be the hard, the hardest of genres that I listen to to sort of make a, a, a real impact if I was like to put a fourth, a whole song sort of based around that genre yeah. style. Or... Yeah, I think it's always about just blending genres with the subtleties. Mm-hmm. You can always right. sneak in it a fancy like mode yeah. or scale in there that's totally yeah you know beethoven or whatever if you want and yeah most people may never never pick yeah they, pro- they, they probably won't know but if you're really sort of style heavy on it then then you yeah. you'll people will know and sometimes it'll work sometimes it won't you never know just you can't really you don't you'll never really understand how a fan or the fans are gonna have perceive a track until you release it so it's you were like oh i thought yeah. they were gonna love this song or i thought they would hate this style but then you just you never know it's always different yeah how do you guys kind of go about putting your set list together is there a ringleader for that or do you guys just sort of feel it out like uh people the band usually comes to me because they know first for information about stuff because i i have a a fairly decent memory so I can tell like what oh what did we play last time or um which songs are in keys that would follow each other well so we can yeah. easily do segue so we can do multiple songs and have them segue and it'll sound harmonious as opposed to this or and then Adam's pretty good with the tempos and then as far as the other guys you know it's they'll have specific songs they want to play or Jeff will say like oh hey I don't want to sing these songs back to back because I'd rather save my voice for later and it'll be too taxing for me. And we really want to spread it out so that we're all relaxed. We're all playing the songs we want to play and we're all comfortable with how it goes. So it's, it's definitely a mix. I think people, different people will take over like parts of the set that yeah. they want. But... Yeah. I'm always kind of interested how bands want to especially um, put the new material out and how they want to put it in the set yeah. and you know how they think it's going to go over. And, yeah. Um, because that's scary too. Because you, you don't if you're releasing an album, you're not going to come out and play the whole album because your fans are going to be pissed off. They want to hear yeah. the songs that they love that made them come to the show. So, yeah, man. Um, well, I uh, I definitely appreciate your time, dude. Like I said, yeah. um, I feel of like course. at the end of the day, we're all kind of pulling for each other. Uh, yeah. Whether it's our friends' bands or the bigger bands or or anything Absolutely. like that. So I'm just trying to kind of do my part to I don't know. Get no, stuff out there. there. That's um, awesome. And this, you coming on here, obviously, really helps me out. So if there's cool. anything I can do for you guys in the future, whether it's, you know, trying to pump up your music a little more or... Don't say that, but I'll like let you that. know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You don't, you, uh, don't want, you don't want to owe us a favor because we'll come calling at the worst possible time. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens. No, man, I appreciate you having me on. This was great. All right, dude. So um, I'll get this edited up and out this week, I'm sure. And, Sounds uh, good. Just, if there's a particular song you want me to feature, let me know. But uh, uh, Maybe one of the newer ones we just did, like uh, Surfman Cometh or My Dose, are the two we've released yeah. most recently. So be down for that. Yeah, I was thinking Surfman Cometh. So cool. I go that way. Awesome. All right, dude. Great. Well, have a good night. Appreciate it. You too. And, Take uh, care. All right. See you. So yeah, I want to thank uh, Raul for coming on the show. I want to thank you for listening. You made it this far. The song you're hearing in the background is called The Surf Man Cometh, uh, which you can find on iTunes and Spotify and all the usual places. 
I guess uh, lastly but not least, just wanted to say thanks to our sponsor, Engine Athletics. They're making some pretty killer basketball jerseys and some other merch for a lot of bands uh, within the genre and uh, beyond. So definitely check them out on Instagram and all that. 